Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. If you didn't catch last week, if you weren't here, I would encourage you, go back and watch the video on our website, go listen to the podcast from iTunes, um, and catch up with us. You, you want to hear all this, I promise. Not because I'm a great preacher, but these are really important messages for us to hear. Matthew 5, 5, this is where we'll pick it up today. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, when we look at the word meek, a lot of times we equate the word meek with weakness, with somebody being a pushover, a doormat. We think somebody is meek when they're quiet and they, they don't really assert themselves, but this is an incorrect ass- uh, assessment of what meekness really is, because meekness is not weakness. In Scripture, we see two people that were described as meek. Moses and Jesus. In fact, Moses was described as the meekest man who ever lived. Now, I would not say that Jesus was a weakling or a pushover or a sissy, would you? This is a guy that, uh, thank you very much, you've agreed with me strongly, I appreciate that. Um, This is a guy that that stood up for and fought for what he believed in in a very physical way sometimes. He, He was not a pushover, he was not a doormat. He was a strong man. In fact, he was so strong, he went to the cross even though he didn't have to. And that's strength. I was reading, uh, there's a pastor by the name of Rick Warren, pastor's Saddleback Church, um, and he had this to say about meekness. He said, meekness is strength under control. And, and the image we have in mind, one I've heard a lot, is the image of a wild stallion. And this wild stallion is powerful, and it runs free, and it runs hard, and it's hard to break that stallion. But once you do, that power is not lost, it's not vacated, but that power is under control of the master. And under the control of the rider, the master, that horse still has the power, but it's under control. Uh, It's able to bring life, enjoyment, fulfillment to the person who is is riding the horse. Another way you can look at this is fire. Man, I'm so thankful for my fireplace in the winter, amen? Aren't you thankful you got the heat and the warmth and the light, and it just brings a warmth to your house, not just a physical warmth, but life in many ways. But if you take that fire and you, you put it on your sofa, it's a little harder to enjoy, isn't it? <laughs> can you imagine if you walked in and your sofa was on fire, you would be like, kids, get the marshmallows, come on. Like, this is so enjoyable, right? You would be scrambling. You'd be I'd screaming like a girl if you're like me, like, ah! right? You'd be panicking a little. How do we put this fire out? Because at that point, it's not life-giving because it's out of control. Does that make sense? And so it's still got power. It's still got the ability to give life, but it's out of control. So when we can control something that's of great power, it can give life. And this is what meekness is really all about. It's about submitting our power to God. Or maybe a better way of putting that is as understanding when we talked about humility last week that we don't have any real power, but it's all God's power. And we have access to that power. And it allows us to walk in our lives a little bit differently. This is what it says um, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So God gave us the spirit of power and of love, but also of self-control. And what meanness really is, is power under control. Um, have you ever met somebody, and whenever you met them, 
they immediately had to tell you how good they were? And anything. Maybe in their work, in the workplace, you met somebody like, hey, Bob Johnson, sales, VP for sales, had 2.5 million in sales last year. I mean, it was, it was incredible, right? And you're like, I, I, don't, I don't really care how many sales you had. I'm not impressed by that. Or you meet somebody, and this happens to me a lot. I meet somebody, and we have a conversation, and they find out I'm a pastor, and they immediately want to tell me about their spiritual resume. <laughs> well, you know, I was an altar boy for years in my Catholic church, and uh, I mean, me and God were like that. So, you know, um, my wife and I got married. She was Baptist. I was Catholic, and we got together, and we started attending her church, and they go through this whole litany of things. I'm like, okay, that's great. That's fantastic. I'm not, not impressed. Like, that's cool. I want to know your story, but... I'm not impressed by how, how spiritual you are, but sometimes we tend to do this, don't we? We want people to know how good we are, how powerful we are, or what we've done. We want to assert ourselves. But this is the thing. Uh, that verse in Matthew says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So God wants us to understand our power that, that we have access to through Jesus Christ, but we also, he also wants that to be under control. And this is why, because we will inherit the earth. So this is hard to get our brain around. Um, did you ever, in elementary school when you were a kid, have the contest with another kid, and they would maybe say something stupidly like, well, my dad could beat up your dad. <laughs> did you ever have that? My dad's a big guy. He was, he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and his hands are huge. Like, his hands are like, fingers are like sausages. Like, they're gigantic. I mean, he's just a big dude. He worked highway construction. He, he, he was, I talked about him last week. He was a little scary at times. Like, he was a big guy. He's intimidating. And he, he would grow this gigantic manly beard out. And I could imagine how intimidating this guy might be. So I was like, you know what? Bring it on. Because my dad, he could, he could whoop your dad. And who knows? This, this guy's dad might have been Mike Tyson. I don't know what I was getting my dad into. Um, but imagine... If your dad was the wealthiest man in the world, would you ever feel like you had to brag about how much you had? Now, some people would. But if some kid said, oh, you know what? I, I've, got a brand new, um, I've got a brand new Mustang. It's fantastic. And you knew sitting in your garage you had a brand new Lamborghini. Would you care about trying to one-up this guy? Would you care about trying to keep up with him? No. Why would you care? You got a Lamborghini at home. You're an heir to millions and millions of dollars. Why are you trying to keep up with this guy? You shouldn't, right? Because you don't have to make much of yourself because of who you are drives your actions. Does this make sense at all? Meekness says you don't have to brag about yourself because you're already powerful. You're an heir to the world. So why do you need to brag about yourself? Why do you need to make much of yourself? You can walk in humility. Meekness and humility are closely related. Um, this is what this is what N.T. Wright said. He said, um, "We don't have the need of being better or bigger than everyone else because God has already made us heirs of the world." Would I feel the need to brag that my house is bigger than yours if I knew that my father owned the city and I was the beneficiary in his will? No we tend to brag whenever we're trying to come up with something, whenever we're, trying to, whenever we're trying to compensate for something. This is what it says in Psalm chapter 37, verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant, ready? Wealth, no. Finances, no. Abundant peace. Abundant peace. 
Again, when we think of abundance, a lot of times we go back to finances. But when God blesses us, a lot of times that blessing, the best blessing he can give us is walking in abundant peace. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God doesn't always bless us financially. Because the Lord knows there are times if he would have blessed me financially, I would have made a wreck of myself. And I did make a wreck of myself at times. When I am blessed with peace and I can walk in his peace, it allows me to be a blessing to those around me. So God wants us to be meek. There's blessing associated with meekness, with walking in power and that controlled power. We will inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, righteousness, I'm going to make this really simple. In all of these verses, the, the, I could preach an entire series on any one of the verses of the Beatitudes. And so it, it, we have to condense it down to just a few minutes in order to get through this in a timely manner. Otherwise, we would do, hey, we're going to do a, a four-year series on the Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So we're not going to do that, okay? Um, but when we look at Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When we look at the word righteousness, it really means two things that are connected. It means right standing, but it also means uh, right relationship. And so the legal, in the legal setting, it means when the judge says you're not guilty, we are in right standing in the court, in the legal system. Does that make sense? Not guilty, you're in right standing. And this is what happens when we give our hearts to Jesus. When we say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. In that moment, he forgives us, and we're in right standing with God legally. But our relationship is just beginning. That is just the first step. Um, I would not have married my wife the first time I met her. I mean, she might have married me because I was dashingly handsome. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it would be foolish, wouldn't it, to marry somebody the first time you meet them? Well, what happens? You get to know them. You, you commit. You get to know them. You build a relationship. And this is what happens with Jesus. We're in right standing in God's eyes when we come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But then we begin this walk with Jesus, this relationship with Jesus. And this is the righteousness, the context of the relational righteousness that we're talking about here. So when we look at that, it's a little bit different. So uh, the main biblical idea of righteousness that we see over and over throughout scripture deals with relationship. And it really is about membership in covenant, this covenant we have with God and the behavior that's associated with that membership. So let me make this a little simpler for you. Um, when, when I asked my wife to marry me, what I was doing is I was inviting her to be part of my life forever. We're walking in covenant relationship. It's not a contract, it's a covenant. I'm committed to you for the rest of my life. She's committed to me for the rest of her life. And with that covenant, even though it's not written, there are certain behaviors that are expected on both sides. Does that make sense? Um, and what happens in marriage is your values begin to shift over time. And not in a bad way, this is a good thing. Uh, before I got married to my wife, I valued playing video games till four in the morning. I valued it stupidly. My wife pointed that out to me after we got married. You should not be playing video games till four in the morning. Um, so what happened? Well, my value shifted a little bit. Does that make sense? Because of the covenant relationship I was in, my values shifted. Was it a bad thing that I stopped playing Madden until 4 a.m.? No, it was probably a really good thing for my marriage that I stopped playing Madden, right? 
because my values shifted. You'll hear, you'll hear people say things. I had a friend who, who, he was not married, he was dating his current wife now, and, and we were talking and he said, I will never live in the suburbs. I said, never? He said, no, we're always going to live downtown. You know, and he has this, this very urban thought of life. And I said, you know what? We'll see where you're at after you have kids. Because there's something about having a yard with kids just is appealing. He said, nope, it's never going to happen. And I thought, your values will shift in time, right? And this is what happens in our, in our relationship with, with others, especially our spouse. Our values begin to shift a little bit. Not the core values, the, the really important things, but some of the peripheral stuff. But what happens in our relationship with God is the same. We, we get into this covenant relationship with God, and over time our values begin to shift, and they begin to align more with his values. Does that make sense? The more we know him, the more we get to know him, the more we begin to resemble him. And so our values begin to shift a little bit. And, and so the expectations are, are, are clear. If I acted a certain way in covenant with my wife, it, and we'll talk about this in, in a couple months, actually. Um, there are things that I don't do in my life, not because it's unlawful or because it's unbiblical, but because I want to be in right relationship with my wife. So I don't ride in a car by myself with a woman, period, anywhere. The exceptions are um, family, um, and that's pretty much it. Is there any other exception? There's not. There isn't. I, and I, there one time, um, I was working at this church in Enid, Oklahoma, and we had this receptionist. Joanne Romas was a beautiful woman, loved her. She was old enough to be my grandma, okay? And there was one day, uh, we were, I came into the office, she was in the office, and she had to run an errand, and, and I needed to help her with the car, and there was nobody else, and I was like, oh my gosh, and I felt so convicted, that I was riding in the car with Joanne Romas, and I love this woman, but again, she was old enough to be my grandma, or if not a little older. And so I told my wife, I was like, babe, I'm, I just want you to know I'm so sorry I rode with Joanne Romas in the car today, and she just laughed. <laughs> but for me, the point was there are guardrails in place to keep me from getting into danger zones. So my behavior changed because of my covenant relationship with my wife. Does that make sense? And what happens in our relationship with God is our behavior changes as our value changes. So all of a sudden, some of the things we valued before, before our relationship with God, they don't tend to have as much value for us anymore. And our behavior begins to shift. Now, this is different than us saying, you, hey, you got saved, you better stop doing this and this and this and this, and you better start doing that and that and that and that. And if you don't, you're probably going to hell. That is totally different. I've been in circumstances like that. That is not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is when we're in relationship with God, a real relationship with God, everything begins to shift in our lives. Our values change because of the relationship. And that righteousness that he wants for us is in right standing and right relationship with God. That's where that righteousness happens. So what does it say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know if you've ever been really hungry or really thirsty before. I have. I mean, you, you, you wouldn't think I have been, but I promise I have. Um, man, you, out, you do yard work all day, and you come in, and you could drink a gallon of water or tea or, you know, in the South we drink a lot of sweet tea. Whatever your beverage of choice is, you, man, you could gulp it because you are thirsty. Maybe you haven't eaten for a day or, or a couple days or whatever it might be. At the end of that, man, you're starving, right? I, I read the other day there was a lady, a competitive eater, and I'm not making this up. She ate three 76-ounce uh, steaks 
in under an hour. That's ridiculous. I couldn't eat a whole 76-ounce steak by myself in a day, like taking breaks, and I couldn't do it. Now, this chick was either crazy or she was really hungry, right? So what did she do? She devoured the steak, and, and the same approach she took when she devoured that steak is the same approach we need to have when it comes to righteousness. We need to be so hungry for righteousness that we're going to do whatever we have to do to obtain it. We need to be so thirsty for righteousness that we will go to great ends to obtain it. And how do we obtain it? How do we obtain righteousness? Is it by showing up to church? No. It's by being in right relationship with Jesus Christ. So what is this really saying? When we pursue right, healthy relationships with Jesus... There's blessing associated with that. We will be satisfied. Man, I love Thanksgiving lunch and dinner, whatever it is you have at your house. And after that meal, don't you just feel good? Like you're like, oh, I'm this close to being sick, but I feel fantastic, right? You're like, whoo, the deep breath. And imagine that, that, that feeling spiritually. And this is what it's describing. We will be satisfied when we hunger and thirst for, for Jesus and his righteousness and the relationship that comes with that. Let me hit a couple of things real quick about righteousness. Righteousness is a fruit. Philippians 1.11 says that we are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God and praise of God. So what happens? We're in relationship with Jesus, and righteousness is the byproduct of that relationship, or the, the product. Does that make sense? We're in relationship with Jesus, and the produce of that, the product of that, is righteousness in our lives. We don't, have to, we don't have to manipulate it, maneuver it. We don't have to try to figure out how we can do it. It happens naturally in our relationship with Jesus. But if you look in Isaiah 32 and James 3, it says that the fruit of righteousness is peace. So, so again, it comes back to that peace thing again. When we look at this, we say, okay, we have a relationship with Jesus, and it's growing, and it's healthy, and it's vibrant. Righteousness is the, the product of that relationship, but the product of that righteousness in our life is peace. Again, if God could give me millions of dollars, or he could give me all the peace I'd ever want in my life, I'll take the peace every day of the week. Because money cannot buy peace. It might buy financial security, but that's not going to buy you peace. Financial security won't, won't fix your problems, won't ease your weary heart, peace will bring that. So righteousness is a fruit. Blessing is tied to righteousness. We see it already, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? So, so we see that blessing is, is tied to righteousness. This is what it says in Proverbs 21, 21. This is from the ESV. It says, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. So when we pursue or chase after righteousness, we're going to find life, righteousness, and honor. This is what it says in the NIV, same verse. It says, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Again, this word pr prosperity here, it is not talking about your bank account. It's talking about your soul. It's saying when you pursue righteousness, your soul will prosper. Okay, you know, somebody's getting excited about that. Let me read this next one to you. This is from the message. Same verse, just a different translation. Proverbs 21, 21 says, whoever goes hunting, we understand hunting around here, right? Whoever goes hunting for what is right and kind finds life itself, glorious life. Whenever we pursue righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, we will be blessed. Whenever you pursue right living, right standing with God, right relationship with Jesus, you are blessed. I referenced this earlier in my prayer, but Psalm 37, 23 said, the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. 
That, that when, when we say, God, I want your righteousness in my life, Jesus, I want a relationship with you, Jesus begins to direct your path. You might not even know where the path is leading. <laughs> you don't know where the path is going, but you know that your path is directed and ordered by God. Aren't you thankful for that? I, I hate riding in a car when I don't know where I'm going. I'm so thankful. Even when I'm not driving, there are times if I'm a passenger, I'll still follow along on the GPS on my phone. Because I don't care if they know where we're going. I want to know where we're going, right? But sometimes we have to relinquish control. And this is where that righteousness of God comes into play. When we say, Jesus, I want your righteousness in my life. And he says, that's great. I got this under control. I'm driving. You go, well, well I, want, I want to know where we're going. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm directing the path. I know where we're going. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you on this one. He is directing our path when we walk in righteousness. Last thing on, on righteousness real quick. Is powerful prayers begin with righteousness. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The King James Version is one you might be more familiar with. It says, The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When the righteous person prays, God hears that and responds to that. You want breakthrough in your life? Maybe you've been praying for something over and over and over. Maybe you have to ask yourself, are my values aligned with the values of God? Is our relationship causing me to act differently and adjust my behavior and adjust my values? If not, if maybe you said a prayer one time, maybe you're, you're righteous before God, but you're not in right relationship with Jesus, that would explain maybe why your prayers aren't being answered. Because the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous person availeth much. It's not very often I'm going to bust out the King James on you, but I just did. Matthew 5, 7 says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now we've talked about mercy a lot. Uh, mercy is not getting what we deserve, or it's withheld punishment. And, and we love receiving mercy, don't we? I mean, th thank you, Jesus, for mercy in my life. I need it, right? Uh, when you get pulled over and the police officer writes you uh, a warning, aren't you like... It doesn't matter what your background is. Aren't you Pentecostal? Like when that window goes up, you're like, praise you, Jesus. Whoa, right? You're like, whoa. You get excited, don't you? Because what? You were a recipient of mercy, and we get excited about receiving mercy, especially the mercy of God. <laughs> but why does God extend mercy to us? Is it just because he's benevolent? No, let me read this to you. This is Romans chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, and this is from the message version. It says, this is the plain English version. It says, you didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your finger at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down on you hard? Or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into radical life change. So what is this saying? We see that the writer here was talking to a group of people who were good at accusing and pointing out other people's misgivings and other people's sin, but they refused to recognize their own sin. And what the writer here is saying is he's saying, hey, you know, you know what? God is, is holding back wrath from people when they walk in sin so that they can see how good he really is. God is holding back his judgment from us. He's giving us opportunity to know him, not because he's a weakling, but because in his benevolent love and mercy, he says, I, I want to give them more time. And because he does that, 
people come to knowledge in him and saving grace in him. Because of his mercy, we see the goodness of God and people respond to that. People don't respond to fear. When I was a kid, I was in a church that we would talk sometimes about, you could get hit by a bus today if you don't know Jesus, where are you going? It's like, I, we don't even have buses on our town, but I'm still scared I might get hit by a bus. God will send a bus to hit me. So I was the kid, I got saved like 30,000 times growing up because I was so scared of getting hit by a bus in my little town. But that is not life change. Radical life change happens when we recognize the goodness of God. We recognize his heart toward us, and we respond to that. And we say yes to his mercy. We say yes to his righteousness. And we say yes to relationship with him. And we step into that covenant relationship and allow him to make the changes in us he needs to make. Because you can't make the changes you need to make in your life. There's a few behavioral things you might be able to do, but for the most part, the change that needs to happen in your life and in my life happens in the context of relationship with Jesus. I can't do it. Neither can you. That's where that relationship with Jesus comes into play. God's glory is revealed to others when we exhibit the same mercy that we've received. This is what it says in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He, it's talking about God, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. It's that simple. That's what God is asking us to do. He's not asking you to fix your life. He's not asking you to get your junk together. He's asking you just to walk in relationship with him. Let him fix your stuff. See, there's blessing in our lives that God is, he's waiting for us to live the life he wants us to live so that he can bless us, lavish us with his blessing. But we have a choice to make. Will we walk with him? Will we be in relationship with him? Will we choose the things we talked about today? Meekness and mercy and righteousness. Will we choose those things? Because it's a choice we have to make every single day. That's my challenge to you. God wants to bless you. He wants you to walk in that blessed life. The choice is yours, though. Will you do that? He doesn't force you. He doesn't make you. But he invites you to be a part of it. So the question is, will you? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you love us like crazy. The Lord, your love for us is bigger than we can ask or even know that we can imagine. God, I thank you that you do love us, but you're not a weakling and you're not a pushover. So Lord, I pray that we would recognize your goodness and that we wouldn't wait until judgment. Father, we would walk in your blessing and walk in your goodness and walk in relationship with you right now. We would choose life right now. So God, have your way with us over the next few moments. Pray your blessing on us. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're like that person I described. Maybe you, maybe you said a prayer one time, but you don't walk with Jesus. You're not in relationship. And today you say, I want to be in relationship with Jesus. I want to know that I'm right with God. If that's you, I'm not going to make you come forward. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. If that's you, would you just put your hand up in the air and let me pray with you? wherever you're at. You say, that's me. Pray for me. I want to know Jesus. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. Over here on my left. I appreciate that. Who else? You say, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you. Back by the sound booth. I see you. Awesome. 
Thank you. Over here on my right. I see your hand, buddy. You can put your hand down. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Just a few more seconds. Who else says that's me? Pray for me. I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I don't want religion. Thank you. Over here on the aisle. Fantastic. All right. I would like every person in this place to repeat this prayer after me. Whether you raised your hand or not, I just want you to repeat this very simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I choose you today. I choose to follow you. I choose to be in relationship with you. I'm letting you be Lord of my life. Change my values. Help change my behavior to look more like you. I want to be blessed, and I want to know you. So let me walk in that today. I'm never going back to my old life. I choose you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's give God a big round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. Now listen, for those of you that raised your hand, I want to ask you real quickly. If you would, there's a prayer card in that seat back in front of you. Fill that prayer card out for us. Let us know about the decision you made. Uh, It says salvation or rededication. Just let us know about the decision you made today. We want to pray with you, and we want to help you take the next step so you can walk in relationship, not just some decision. Uh, If you're here today and you need prayer of any kind, our prayer team's going to be on either side of the stage as we are uh, singing this last song. And if you need prayer, we want to pray with you today. Maybe one of the points that we talked about, uh, meekness or righteousness or mercy, spoke to you and, and you'd like to pray with somebody. That's what we're here for. We want to agree with you in prayer. So our worship team is going to lead us one more time in a, in a song, and we're going to worship together and pursue God together, and then we're going to be dismissed. So why don't you stand to your feet all over the room, and let's worship God together one more time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.